We are in uh, Joshua chapter 4 today. We're making a little faster progress than we did through Mark. There's no guarantee that'll continue, but such as it is. All right, so last week um, uh, in our account, um, we, we talked about the nation of Israel coming to the banks of the Jordan and then crossing over. And uh, we're going to get them the rest of the way there today. Uh, but um, uh, we talked about the many parallels that there were between the parting of the Red Sea and the nation of Israel leaving Egypt, <clears throat> coming out of slavery, and uh, uh, this nation uh, crossing over to their promised land. And uh, you'll see those parallels continue uh, in the account today. Um, some of the take-home points um, were uh, that this was an example of how God keeps his promises, that God takes the initiative to be present with uh, the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant compared with the presence of God in the pillar of cloud and fire. Um, I, I mentioned that God is between us and our enemies, that just as a pillar of cloud uh, was between the nation and the pursuing uh, nation of, is of uh, Egypt uh, prior to crossing the Red Sea, um, God, in the form of the Ark of the Covenant, was uh, before uh, the nation as they uh, crossed into enemy territory on the west side of the Jordan. And then also, uh, they had to uh, take some time to uh, prepare to cross. And um, uh, that sometimes as we uh, prepare to serve God, uh, there is some, some well-spent time there. So those were the uh, kind of take-home points. And um, this week, uh, we primarily learn how God wanted us to remember uh, what happened uh, with this big event. So um, we'll pick up in uh, verse 1. Oh, I should say this. <clears throat> as I, uh, I kind of go through this, I don't know... Probably many of you, uh, perhaps, searched before, right? And um, one of the things you can do with word processors, you can highlight a chunk of text and you can move it and, you know, cut and paste this and that to keep from retyping. I don't know if you've ever read a document that has maybe a bad job of cut and paste, where things are maybe duplicated and stuff like that. Um, you'll kind of see that. Now, I don't mean any disparaging remarks to uh, the writer of Joshua, but... Um, there's some repetition there, probably because if there's a sub-theme to this, it's about education. All right, so the kind of the sub-thing is that, that this is a teacher. Uh, but there is some repetition as somebody's telling a story, that, oh yeah, and then he kind of starts over again and repeats some things. So just if you hear that as we go through, that, that's what that made me think of. All right, verse 1. It says, when all the nation had finished pass passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. 
When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So um, pretty self-explanatory here. Um, God says to Joshua, you know, that this is, there's something big going on. We need to remember this. And at this point in time, the priests are still standing uh, in the middle. And um, as the last probably stragglers were making it across, and um, they're just there. They've been there all day, at least a day probably, and uh, right in the middle and standing on dry land. So um, we, we get the idea. God wants to make this a memorable event, and he's, he's in, instructed them to gather up stones, apparently big stones. It says each one with each guy with a stone in his shoulder, um, which is a big stone, you know, uh, good size stone. I guess depending on the guy, for me it might be a smaller stone. For some guys, <laughs> Tim could probably tell you a big stone. Uh, but, uh, so, verse 8. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. Now, I should probably stop there and say, you know, if the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded for the next several hundred years, um, things would have gone much better for them. But at least they did it for this time. Um, another theme, um, well, never mind, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded to Joshua. All right, so did you catch what happened? So now how many memorials do we have? We have two, depending on which or how plainly you want to read things. To me, I count two, right? One, where the guys each have a stone, they're crossing over, one stone for each tribe, 12 stones, going to be a memorial, taking it to the place where they, right? That's one. And then we have verse 9, and Joshua set up 12 stones, in the midst of the Jordan. Now, some commentators say, well, we think there's just one. And you could insert a little phrase there that says, and Joshua set up 12 stones which had been in the midst of the Jordan. Blah, blah, blah. But uh, to me, it sounds like they're two separate memorials. One that's going to be on land where everybody can see it. And one that's going to be in the middle of the Jordan where you could, you know, tell your kids, and there's that other one in the middle. And if you were out there, it would be there, right in the middle to mark the spot. And this seems to be something that Joshua did himself of his own initiative, um, I guess as his own private act of worship, 
I have no problem with there being two memorials here because um, it kind of seems like that's what the Bible says to me. Um, do you have NIV? Do you have NIV? What what flavor do you have? New International. New International adds that. They believe it was just one, so they add that little part in there. You got New American? Yeah. Does it have any yeah. extra stuff? Did Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests had carried the Ark of the Covenant? Yeah, so there's reasonable, God-fearing people um, who love Jesus, disagree about this point. Um, some people think, uh, we think there was just one. Some people... Say it seems to. Um, Do you know how they were set up? I mean, was it just piled on top? Or? Well, Joshua, it just says he set up 12 stones. Now, we don't really know about the other one, but I think the other one might have been in a circle for reasons that I'll mention. But we don't really know. We don't really know. Except for it does say it was at the place where the priest stood. So it could right. Be, it yeah, it could. You know, how, many, how many people... Carried the ark. Was it four, six, seven? Seven? Well, it was seven to Jericho. Uh, I don't know. It don't know. seven really? It was seven to Jericho. Where's the odd person stand? <laughs> I didn't know that. Is he like back up? In verse four of chapter six, it says, "And seven priests carrying the seven trumpets." Oh, before the ark. So it was. I'm, I'm wrong. It was seven. Seven priests. They each had a trumpet. All right, well, seven sounds fine for a, a horn section. Um, all right, so um, here we go. Verse, uh, I guess the latter part of uh, verse 10. <clears throat> it says, the people passed over in haste. I think that's kind of funny, right? It's like, you know, you're in the back of the line, right? It's like, you know, it's going good so far. They made it across. Hope those priests don't get tired. You know, um, what happens if they drop one, if they stumble, if, uh, you know, there's no backup or whatever? Um, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting along. Um, I'm going <laughs> to cruise on over. Um, I just think that's kind of funny. Verse 11, and when all the people, the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. Verse 12, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. Now, as Daddy had in his quiz last week, what is it about the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh? What's special about them? They, they were going to live on the east side of the Jordan, right? They had already made their cities, got their life. Apparently, they had tons of livestock that they didn't want to transport across the river. Um, they built their sheep pens. They established their cities for their, um, you know, the, their women and children and so forth. So why were they heading over across the Jordan? Okay, that was the deal, right? That was the deal. So we find the deal in Numbers, chapter 32. Um, you can look it up. But basically, um, as, as 
as Moses and them, as they were coming to the area, um, they asked about staying on this side of the Jordan, and the way I read it, Moses interpreted that as, here we go again. Here we are, right to the edge of the promised land, and now you guys aren't going to cross over again? Really? And, and they said, no, 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 it's, it's fine. You know, we, we want to stay over here, we've got all our livestock, um, and, and here's, here's the deal. We won't consider ourselves settled until everybody is settled. Um, so the leaders from these two and a half tribes or whatever um, said to, um, to Moses, they came near to him and said, we will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. But we will take up arms ready to go before the people of Israel until we have brought them to their place. And our little, little ones shall live in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. But we will not return to our homes until each of the people of Israel has gained his inheritance. So that was a deal. Everybody that was of soldier type was going to go before the rest of them who had not yet you know, established where they were going to, they had not yet claimed their inheritance. Um, but these two and a half tribes said, we're going to go before um, that's part of our agreement. So, exactly as Mike said, that this was this was uh, the deep. One thing I had not, you know, we know about significant numbers in the Bible. You know, we hear about the number seven and forty days and everything. I, I didn't really realize that this number forty thousand is actually a fairly popular number. Um, and some people say that it's kind of like uh, uh, we would say. Man, that's worth a million bucks. Or, you know, we don't really necessarily mean something's worth one million dollars to the penny. We mean that's a big number. Apparently, 40,000 is used whenever you wanted to say in the Bible, that's a big group of people. Now, 40,000 was actually probably pretty close uh, if you, again, go back to numbers, and it gives you the, tri the numbers of those tribes. And there were roughly 40 to 50,000 in each tribe. And if you started saying, okay, if you, if you figured, you know, a third were men, a third were women, a third were kids, that's kind of works out to be about 40,000. So uh, I'm not saying it's, it's not a true number, but other places in the Bible, that's anytime you want to say a big army, 40,000 seems to, to be about what that number is. Verse 14, it says, On that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. Verse 15, And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come, out, uh, to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the ark of the covenant out. Boy, all these, uh, what are those? Up, out, is that adverbs? Prepositions? A lot of them there. Come up out of the Jordan, and when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Verse 19. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal 
on the east border of Jericho. So um, Gilgal was this uh, settlement uh, east of the, I mean, uh, west of the Jordan, and um, it was um, just a couple miles from Jericho. Um, one commentator said this meant that those guys carrying the rocks carried them about eight miles, which is a lot. You know, uh, that's especially if you didn't get the stones until most of the people were already passed over. Uh, they were some good guys. Um, it says, in those 12 stones, which they took out of Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Apparently, um, Gilgal means circle. And some people have suggested, well, maybe he set them up in a circle. Um, we know about really ancient um, pagan things that were set up, you know, like Stonehenge and some of those that were kind of set up in a circle. And they said maybe he set them up that way kind of as a, you know, a testimony to the true God of the circle or something. Um, uh, but I think it was already named that before he set, set them up. So it's speculation as to how they were set. Verse 21, And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until, he passed, until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Um, a couple things about uh, Gilgal. And, uh, there were a lot of um, kind of important things later that would happen at Gilgal. Um, Israel's first king, Saul, was crowned at Gilgal. Um, I'm quoting a commentator here. David was welcomed back after Absalom's rebellion was subdued. Um, Samuel passed through Gilgal. Uh, there was a school of prophets at Gilgal in the days of Elijah and Elisha. Uh, and then we'll see that this is going to kind of be Joshua's center of operations as well. Um, interestingly, in Hosea, there are at least three references where you see the testimony that Gilgal has just gone pagan. You know, they've already forgotten and uh, they're worshiping at, you know, you know, false idols and the whole thing has already gone crazy um, by, by the time of Hosea's time. But um, uh, that's, uh, that's Gilgal. So, um, a couple of... Um, couple of things. You know, I said the challenge of, that I kind of set for myself uh, in the, the, the stories, the, the, the accounts that we read, I was going to say, okay, where's Jesus in this passage? And um, again, uh, knowing that Joshua is a type of Christ, um, the, the connection I saw was this verse where it says, um, on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him. Um, so here we have Joshua really being revealed as God's man for the moment. Um, with every sign of victory about him. 
but they still got to go take the land. There's still war that's going to happen. And it took me back to Revelation um, 19:11. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and the one, one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. Jesus revealed for who he is every sign of victory upon him but still has to go make the war still has to put things right and um, still has to to finish what he started and so um, so where's Jesus for me um, again it's it's in that picture of Joshua um, ready to conquer and being assured of the victory um, so let's break this down and, uh, and uh, do some application here. Um, the big theme of this, as I said, is um, remembering what God did. Um, does anybody want to tell the story of the Stones of Covenant? Does anybody know the story of the Stones of Covenant? Did you know there were stones of cup? Where they at? Does anybody know where they are? All right, so right here at the drive-thru, there are stones that were placed there as a memorial. Does anybody know why they were placed there? You remember? Put you on the spot. I was going to take a picture of the plaque. I haven't looked at the, I didn't cheat. I didn't cheat. I know there's stones there. I think there's a plaque there. All right, does anybody know what the plaque says? All right, Eddie, go look at the plaque. Come back and tell us what it says. <laughs> right? This is what, now, I could call shame upon myself. Um, I think we brought a stone, right? If you're around, they said, you know, each family was going to bring a stone. And... I feel responsibility. I should know. There's a stone there that our family brought. Um, I think I have a I have a hunch, but I I don't want to act like I know more than I do, which I don't. Um, but they're serving their purpose, right? Even now, they're serving their purpose. That we we're going to get to remember a story that maybe we should have remembered, but we'll probably remember it more now, right? How many of you have passed? How many of you have ever gone through the covered drive? Right? We've all walked in that way probably. I thought it had Bert's name on it. Is that not what you're talking about? That's not why we're remembering it. <laughs> With all due respect. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Um, here's what I put. I said, we have a responsibility to identify when and where God has worked in our lives and to teach that to our children. And the other thing I said you know, in my notes, I said, ritual has its place. Right? Ritual has its place. Sometimes we look down on denominations that have liturgical services where everything happens in the same order every time. Um, some people see that as restrictive. But there's some value in ritual. 
We have our own rituals, right? We call them sacraments, the sacrament of baptism, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. They're very meaningful. You know, we can talk to our children. I remember as a kid, before I accepted Christ, um, Daddy took me aside. All right, we're going to have the Lord's Supper today. Um, you can't have any, but I want you to know what's going on. And he was telling me this. I, I remember where I was when he told me that. It's kind of an odd memory, but I remember that. That was cool. Um, these are, there are, there's importance to ritual. Now, we need to understand and, and believe what we read in Scripture, but sometimes we can infer things from Scripture, right? Um, when he says, when your children ask about these stones, what does that imply to you? What can we infer from that? That they are going to ask that they were going to see the stones. Now we know that the nation is going to be dispersed over the whole area. So can't you imagine that at some point, you'd maybe want to take your family back there. You'd want to take your family back. You would want your kids to see these stones and then to ask. They wouldn't ask if they hadn't seen them. So chances are, there was, I don't know if it, there was an anniversary or a homecoming or something, but chances are, at different times over the coming, I don't know how long, you would maybe take your family so they could see these stones and you could point to them and say, you know, that's a stone that represents our tribe. Let me tell you about the guy who carried that stone. Let me tell you about your granddad and so forth. All right, so what's, what's Plaque say? Does it give you any clues? Just the establishment covenant. Okay, that's not what it... Supposed to signify. I, I think it had something to do with the building or something. I don't remember why. Um, it has the first date, the date of the first. Erected so it's yeah. when it was. It does have Bert being the pastor, but it's right. just that the covenant was, was established. Yeah. So that is when we, when we were established, but the stones came after. So we need, where's our church historian? If I only knew her. <laughs> Research that for us, maybe, Bob. All right. I mean, that's kind of cool, right? All right. There's there's several things. Art the, the 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 garden out there. Right. Is a memorial to who? Anne's mother. Miss Henson. Gretchen Henson. Yeah. They, they, they did it for her. Right. And and we all have. Anne McManus's mom, Miss Gretchen Henson. Anne Her mother. Her mom. But there's we all have we all have things we remember. Those mentions are very good. Yeah. All right. And others. And others. Yep. But so, we've all got things that we remember. Alright. Um, a couple other things. Um, the priests were the first ones in and the last ones out. Right? They weren't holding the ark. That's the guys I worried about. <laughs> they, were hold, they were the ones holding the ark. The priest holding the ark. Same, same bunch. I'm using the terms interchangeably. Yes. Um, the ones in charge of holding the ark. They were the first ones in and the last ones out. Um, we could probably all uh, talk about that, but um, whatever our problems are, whatever challenges are above us or around us, God has likely been there 
working on that before we got there and we'll probably be cleaning things up after we've moved on um, it could be a challenge it could be um, a task it it may be a word we've said to someone that that's going to be a seed that God's going to grow um, it could be the echoes of an operation in as much project um, uh, God's before us and God's after us I think that's kind of cool when the water came down like for the second you know when it the priest stepped out and the water came back if there was anybody now on the west side of the Jordan that was nervous about what was to come one thing is very clear there was no going back right now it did make me think about those guys from Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh one reason why it was just the guys I'm guessing they'd have to wait till the dry season and, and swim across I, I did think about those guys uh, but going back was not going to be an option at that moment for sure. Um, and I think that's probably something to think about too. As, as we, you know, there are plenty of people who deal with challenges and, um, you know, we all have sins that we're prone to, um, things that we fight on a daily basis. And as we conquer those, it's important to set up parameters around ourselves that that make it where going back isn't easy uh, so think about what those things are that you'd need to be to keep you from crossing back over um, and I guess the other thing is um, God knows that we are really forgetful he knew that an important part and you could perhaps argue perhaps even more important of the crossing or just as important as the crossing was remembering the crossing is just as important the crossing happened one time and helped a million people right Millions upon millions of people have remembered the crossing because of the testimony we have in Scripture. Um, and I think from God's standpoint, memories kind of have a, a hidden twist. It's important for us to remember the things that God has done for us and to identify those. I, I wonder if we're too slow sometimes to give God credit for certain things. Maybe because they're not quite as dramatic for us, we're maybe hesitant to, to give God that credit. Um, of course, you know, sometimes Daddy says, well, God gets blamed for a lot. You know, I guess we need to be careful. But, um, but we, we should give God credit when, when he does wonderful things. Um, but the, the little catch, or the little hidden benefit, I guess, is very often um, the question that we have when we're in a tight spot is, 
does God remember me? Right? God, have you forgotten, you know? Um, does God remember me? But the twist is, the more we remember what God has done, the less likely we are to ask, does God remember me? Because we know that he's faithful. We know that he keeps his promises. We know that he finishes what he starts. We know that he cleans up after we are gone. We know that he puts things right. Um, and then can start to fade into the background. You know, I, I have a thought, and I'd love to hear you speak on this, connecting what you're saying um, to one of those things that's implied that you don't really know, it doesn't really speak to it. You talked about how once, it, once everyone crossed, there was no going back. Well, there's no reference to anyone being left behind. And thinking about there's no one left behind, and with what you're talking about, about us not connecting to God and giving Him credit, maybe one of the reasons we're not doing that is because we got, we're left behind. We, we really hadn't crossed yet. I just, it just kind of hit my head. I don't know, maybe you want to speak to that or... Um. It kind of actually leads to my last point, which was, we didn't work this out ahead of time. <laughs> and that is the downside of a memorial. The downside of a memorial. And the downside of a memorial is, if it becomes more about what has happened, then we start thinking about a God who just did things in the past. Who just did things for your parents or grandparents or for the people that founded Covenant. But what's God done lately? And we start to forget that we serve a God of the here and now. Same God. And that everything involved with the with the memory of the event is designed to spur us on toward the next conquest. It's let's remember, let's recharge, and let's prepare for the next battle. And um, there is no wanting to keep one foot on the other side of the Jordan. Uh, I think that's a great, a great segue for that. Um, the psalmist in Psalm 114, pull this together, um, again, talking about this last um, verse that we, we read. One of the things it said that, so that we may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord forever. Um, Psalm 114 says, When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, that's the Red Sea. Jordan turned back, that's our story today. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sit ye flee? O Jordan that you turned back, O mountains that you skipped like rams, O hills, hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, 
and the flint into a spring of water. Um, same God that we serve. Um, I guess we'll stop there. Verse 1 picks up with uh, uh, the kings have been paying attention to what's happened. They're getting a little nervous. And uh, Daddy's going to pick it up there next week. Final comments? Uh, not about the lesson, but see Marilyn. She needs some help for the meal tomorrow. So uh, see her, and, uh, and uh, we'll go from there. Very good. Father, help us to um, look forward and not look back, except to remember how awesome you are, how mighty you are, and how worthy of our awe and fear you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody.